You're listening to a very special bonus episode of Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 105. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. Today we're going to talk about what makes a pet deck and why we keep them around. Now hit our theme song! Hey Ryan, we're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? Whole bunch is going down. Actually, when I was doing the intro, I looked over at Erin McNutt in the next studio, <laughs> and she was reading one of the sponsors, and it always looks funny when our news people read them, because it's just a piece of paper, and they just hold it right in front of their face <laughs> while they're talking. It's very funny. I get, uh, I get a yeah, kick out of very that. much so. You know what we got to do one of these days is uh, we got to maybe take a video or take a picture of, of the studio that we record in, because to your right is another studio with another window in it that you can see the next studio. Yeah. And then at the front of that studio, there's a window into a different studio. And then in front of us, there's a studio with a window that goes outside. But kitty corner to me that you can't see is another window that sees into a different part of the studio in front of the one beside you. It's like a it's like a maze. Yeah, we can all see. It's crazy. But you can see things that I can't, and I can see things that you can't. So when when the dude that you worked with got his feet up and he's watching the Blue Jays game, <laughs> you can't see that, and you're like his boss or whatever. I just yeah. I just don't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I had that guy's job for a while. I had my feet up watching the Blue Jays game too. Oh, I yeah. wish I was you. I wish I was just watching the Blue Jays game drinking beer. <laughs> oh, spring training is about to start. I need a new Blue Jays hat to commemorate the start of the 2019 season oh i already have one my brother gave it got me one for christmas <laughs> uh cco nation if you're mlb fans Ooh. your boy brando does not have a fake favorite mlb team what about the blue jays they the, can just be your they're your real favorite ones you can come to my house and drink beer they're way too obvious it's too obvious we have had this conversation more times than i care to count <laughs> yeah it's too obvious so we're, we're looking for another one need, need another one so if you have a suggestion Leave it in the comments down below if you're listening on YouTube or on Podomatic or send me a tweet at CCO Brando or you can send us an email at commandercookout at gmail.com. Oh, you're working the social media. Yeah, I'm working them all in there. If you want to see other ways that you can send fake favorite MLB teams to me, uh, check out commandercookout.com and they're all there. You said that like a pretentious 90s cartoon cop. <laughs> like like you should have known that there was a .com at the end of Commander Cookout. <laughs> well, how else are they going to find us? It's not .net. It's not .ca. It could have been .ca, and that would have been less money. <laughs> <laughs> we would also have significantly less web traffic. Oh, I suppose so, right? Yeah. I wanted it to be .ca because we're Canadian. Uh, but then you don't want it to be .ca because it's Canadian. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. So I made the right decision, spending more money, not knowing that I was making the right decision to, in spite of spending more uh, money? 100%. Oh, okay. So, hey, you get this. If you're if you're working in the social media coordinates, I can work in a shout-out. Yes, you can. Not a patron shout-out. We're going to get to the Patreon stuff in a minute. How about shout-out to all of our new listeners in Australia? Do we have a bunch of them? Yeah. Wow. I'm getting write-ins. I'm getting emails. I'm getting requests for altered cards. That's awesome. And I ship lots of stuff to Australia. That's really cool. Yeah, so shout out to everybody in Australia. Yeah, I hope uh, everything there doesn't kill you. Well, it does. I know, but like, he, like it doesn't though. Like, I hope it doesn't actually get them. Ah. Like when you go to hit your alarm clock and it's actually a spider. Holding your alarm clock because it's yeah. that big? Yeah, because it's stealing it in well, like no, the I... suitcase that it took out of your car because it also stole your car because it's that big and all of its like spider homies are just like hanging out and then they ride away on all those crazy octopuses that also kill you jesus um i bet you it's all just a front right like it's all just a front <laughs> the spiders are actually really nice they're buddies with the snakes and stuff and that spider that is holding your alarm clock isn't stealing it it's like you've rolled a little bit further into the middle of the bed than you normally are so you're trying to like reach your alarm clock and you can't reach it and the spider's like oh here you go i'll just move it for you oh spider bro yeah uh, maybe maybe could be a thing see in australia the way that we look at it here from from canada is everything in australia tries to kill you whereas here in canada just the country itself tries to kill you. Yeah, it's a little bit more ethereal, right? You yeah. just go outside, and if you're from Australia, you would just die. Yeah, like the, it's kind of last... like the happening, or um, what's that new one? Bird, bird, bird box, bird box. It's like yeah, if you're from Australia, just wear your blindfold, and by blindfold, I mean your parka. Yes, or else you'll die. <laughs> yes, 
just wear your airport airplane ticket and passport to another country because it's <laughs> yes. too effing cold here. Oh god, it, damn yeah, it. it's actually cold here so again. Theros of winter, we're complaining about it because it's a thing. Yeah, my goodness. Um, the intro, you nailed it in one take. We're talking about pet decks. Pet decks. Yeah, pet decks. So we've got one more. I'm gonna call it a pet deck next week. One more deck in the arc of double baked brews. Hundred percent, it's a pet deck. Hundred percent. But it's like your actual deck. But it's a pet deck. There's, I'm gonna make the distinction later in the show. Yeah, we're gonna and you, yes, we're gonna yeah. can make all that big connection for the following arc in I guess two weeks time. Yeah, we are going to have new patron sign up gifts. Ooh. I don't want to say what they are yet because we've got two potential options. I think that you liked both of the ideas that I brought to the table. I like the first one best. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yep. Okay. He These likes are... the first one best. So in the next couple of weeks, if you want to become a new patron, you can probably get in on the new patron sign-up gift. Yeah, check them out. We've uh, And I'm assuming we're going to have other ways to get them as well, but we'll come out with those as the arc, the next arc kind of gets underway. Yeah, very much so. For the current arc, the Arca Double Bake Brews, I do have all of the $10 and up patron sign-up altars completed. They're going to be going out this week. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, very much so. And the Zada deck next week getting given away. So if you're listening on YouTube or Podomatic, remember to hit the I Want More button on Podomatic or take a great big mango-sized shit on that like button if you're on YouTube. Just destroy, ruin its day. That like button has said unkind things about your mama behind your back. Don't take that shit. Take it back. Take back the power. Some people are into that. Destroy that like button, and that's fine. Maybe they're into it. Maybe that's their thing. I mean, some like buttons are into that. That's fine. So good what, on him. What would you do to the like button if it was into like Well, that? Now, you, now you've made a friend. Now your like button is just more on your side than it was before. Oh, yeah. And then in the future, every video that we make, you can be like, hey, what's up, like button? You just give it a tap, give it a high five. Yeah, it's like, what up, man? Then you, yeah, okay. And the like button's like, cool, homie, when are we going to get down and dirty again? You'd be like, okay, like button, you're creeping me out a little bit. And then it never stops texting you. Yeah. It's like texting you pictures of itself like, kind of naked yeah and it's like asking you to do dirty things and then your girlfriend finds it and she's like what is this what is happening why do you have all these pictures of this like button i don't like this at all yeah and then you like tell her to scroll up look at i've asked the like button to stop like 50 times yeah and you end up having to block it but so worth it and the story would be great yeah and the videos are still good like we got all that new equipment that we talked about yesterday yep so Um, so thank everybody for that we're actually going to film Later today. Yes, we are. Right after we're done here. Keep that in mind. Uh, what day is it today when this comes up? Is a Wednesday? It is a Wednesday. We have got a Friday video because we're recording it today. Yes. It'll be up on the Friday after this. And then we have another Candid Commander video. People seem to like those. We got uh, good reception. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure Ryan does too. But I really appreciate all of the comments that we get, all of the, the supportive slash constructive criticism that we get. It, it means a lot that you guys take the time to listen to what we have to say and respond to it. That's really cool. Yeah, and I, you know what? I particularly like the Candid Commanders because they let you guys all in on us a little bit more. You get to see us more above and beyond what, like, trying to cram 100 cards into an episode <laughs> kind of lets us offer you. Yeah. And surprising to me, surprising. Watching the video, I know I could have done a better job trying to convince you that split cards are okay. They're not. But everybody was like, yeah, yeah, Brando, yeah, you're right, split cards suck. I was like, what? They're ugly. It's an aesthetic thing. You can build something that's really, really cool, but it has to be a head and shoulders above the rest if it's ugly. What are we talking about today? We're talking about pet decks, why we have them, if we have them, how we maintain them. And more than that, too, how to recognize them in the wild. Sure. When somebody else has one. That's the thing. And also, I said in a Petri dish, if you are playing your pet deck in your localized meta or playgroup, meta and playgroup, I'm, uh, I'm your localized meta and playgroup, those are synonymous terms today. Those mean the same thing. Pretty much. There's not a lot of places that have like FNM uh, commander. That have different people every Friday. Yeah. Right? So that, that team of people is your localized playgroup and your meta. Yeah. Even if it exists with like 20 people. If everybody has like a couple decks and you're going to see some of the, the better decks fairly frequently, you're going to, I think, run into the problems 
or, or scenarios that we're talking about. Yes. Right. And then how does that differ from, let's say, Petri dish, localized meta to out in the wild, like when we go to MF in Calgary, we're going to run into all members of CCO Nation and other random people, and we're going to have to play our pet decks or their pet decks against each other. How, what does that look like? We're going to have to upgrade our game because everybody in CCO Nation is going to know all of our tricks. <laughs> Damn it. Dang it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to crawworm dot deck. So first thing to you, what is a pet deck? What do you think? What do you, what do you think of when I say pet deck? To me, I always go back to the deck that kind of you have the affinity for, not what it does, but what it represents. Like to me, my number, I'm going to say I have three of them. I have three pet Ooh. decks. I have Sliver Queen because it's like the first deck I really sat down and worked really hard on to make it good. And it has fallen way out of favor in our play group because like I get shit on every time I play it. Because Hold on, it you're getting ahead strong. of yourself. Yeah. Getting ahead of yourself. But we're going to, we'll get into that. But like, you haven't seen my Sliver deck in like a year. Yes. Because it just it doesn't get played. My other one is Norn the Wary, which we're going to talk about at greater length later in the show and also on our next episode. Ooh, spoiler. Spoiler alert. And my other one is Omnath Locus of Rage, which is a strong deck that I keep around because I love, 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 love how it works, what it does, and that new cards get printed for it every set. New cards in that there is ramp cards printed in every set. There will be a new ramp card in every set that comes out for forever, and all I have to do is pick the best ones, and I really like doing that. I really enjoy that. And it's my favorite colors. It's Gruel. I can play Decimate. There we go. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe pull something from each of those pet decks, and and anybody listening at home can say, oh yeah, I do that. That must be my pet deck or whatever. So the first one you said was Sliver Queen. Right. You started playing Magic around Tem- Tempest Block. Yes. Like in '97. Yes. Eight. Yep. Sure. Um, Sliver Queen. You have your original Sliver Queen from a booster pack that you pulled. Yep. So there is some very strong memory tied to little kid Brando opening up a Sliver Queen and being rock hard. Yes. And didn't even know what that was yet. I had no idea what that meant. And I had no idea like how cool this card actually was. It was just, it's the coolest picture. And I thought slivers were neat and like, holy shit, this is like the best one ever. I'm never getting rid of this. And throughout the history of magic, slivers became this thing that people for a long time were scared of and people now are not scared of anymore but still very weary of because they understand that they are very powerful when used in conjunction with other slivers. Correct. So to you, it not only represents a a strong memory from early in your childhood magic playing days, it represents a powerful strategy and it also lets you play anything you want because it's five color. Yeah. So even if you wanted to steer away like your Sliver Queen deck has done, I'm going to say of late, into more of a uh, a combo deck instead of a Sliver deck per se, uh, you can do that. That's right. Okay, so next one you said was your Norn the Wary deck. Norn the Wary. Red, your favorite mono color. Absolutely. And this one is, I'm going to say quite tuned, even though it's not a, a, uh, a, a CEDH deck. Hell no. It's quite tuned to how you know how to pilot pilot it with like as if you're holding a scalpel yes you can scalpel pilot that shit yes i am very good at it and i don't mean to toot my own horn but i really do enjoy playing that deck okay and that is the one that is 100 percent foiled except and it's funny that i know this this is how pet deck of yours it is it's 100 percent foiled or altered or alternate arted except for your Chandra Torch of Defiance. Correct. CCO Nation, get at him at CCO Brando. Help him finish the deck. I'll trade you money for it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, like I'll, straight up. If you have a foiled Chandra Torch of Defiance that you do not want, I will trade you market value in money for it. There you go. Yeah, so there you go. So that's why that one's your pet deck. It's powerful, it's tuned, it's your favorite monocolor, and it uh, it's your jam to pilot. Yes, and it was something that I initially, when I first built Norn the Wary as like the Chaos Coin Flip deck, mm-hmm. it was something that in my head, because I didn't ever, I, I do not deck my decks. I don't know if I've ever really mentioned that on the show, but I, I virtually refuse to do it. I don't build with EDH Rex, sorry guys. I don't like use other lists as inspiration for my own stuff. So Ooh. all of Norn the Wary, because Norn the Wary is super shitty by himself, in my head, I came up with this kind of neat deck that was all kind of mine at the time because there wasn't a lot of lists out there like that. And since then, a lot of the Nor and the Wary stuff that I play has become Nor and the Wary staples. But in my mind, I was trailblazing this great deck and I've just been 
tuning and trimming and changing. Well, here's here's the thing. That's a great point, and this is this is actually organic conversation at this point because I never even thought to make this into part of the conversation. If you are not net decking and you are strictly looking through boxes, looking through binders, we've talked about that at length, but I'm sure you go on to Scryfall or whatever and search for a kind of effect that you want. Uh, you, you're finding these cards online. I don't think that's net decking per se because you're looking for a specific effect and trying to find a card to to realize that effect, yeah. right? If you're doing it that way, you are trailblazing in a sense, even if it's just for you. Like if I'm a Norn the Wary expert and, and already have the same hundred that you have, but you've discovered that organically through personal trailblazing, I think that that qualifies as it being a pet deck because you've put actual time into it. And then once you've figured out that it's good, you've put actual more time and money into foiling it, blinging it, whatever. And making it look cool. Also, what's fun about it is it has a whole bunch of janky stuff in it, so most of it wasn't expensive to foil. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> Your third pet deck, Omnath. Your favorite color combination. Yes, I love gruel. I love it. All things aggro. So we, we've hit on the memories, the, the build process, and now the strategy. Yes. You like gruel strategy the best. Big damage, big mana, and Omnath is kind of both of those things built into one. It also plays, at least my version of him, plays exactly how I kind of like to play magic, which is just that you don't really do a whole lot in the early game and everybody else kind of dirtling and turning stuff to the side. I just hit six mana and I just slap somebody in the face. Yeah. And I love doing that. And that's that's part of what I mean when the strat, the, when yeah. I say strategy is is you like to hit a thing, do a thing. Or hit a certain amount of mana, do a thing, right? Yeah, I just like to start doing stuff and I, and I like that lots. It's also one of those decks that kind of just wins by you playing magic, which is, it sounds, of course. <laughs> yeah. But... With Arjun the Shifting Flame, like that deck won by drawing cards, which is something that you want to do anyway. And Omnath wins by playing land, which is something you're going to do anyway. It's it's funny that uh, that's how Tatiova wins that we did a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah. Like, he just, just wins by doing what you want to be doing. Exactly. Which Sounds is, like that's a powerful strategy. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like that's crazy, yeah. Okay. What about you? Do you have pet decks? I, about mine. I think that I have maybe three because I think talking before the show started, I'm going to challenge you on whether or not your pet decks are actually pet decks. Ooh. I think I have maybe three, and then I have maybe a rebuttal to something you might challenge me on. Okay. Okay, so everybody knows that I have an Animar Soul of Elements deck. Sure. It's It feels like a pet deck because it's 100% altered art cards, and the threshold to make it into the deck and me having to paint another card for it is very high. <laughs> and cutting something for something that is unaltered makes me feel like I'm cutting a pet card. Is it a pet deck? I'm not sure. I think so. I love the deck. It's 100% altered. It's beautiful. I get lots of compliments on it. I use it to show off my altered art home business that I actually like. That's how I'm making my living right now is painting magic cards. And I use that deck as almost an advertisement for that. It's like a pile of business cards. It's literally a pile of 100 business cards. You're right. So for that reason, yes, it it is. Based on the amount of time and effort, and I know thought that you've put into this deck, because we've had long conversations about like one card. Literally one cut. One cut. And we've talked for hours about it. And like that is what makes it a... It's not because it's tuned. It's not because because it is. It is a tuned Animar combo deck. Yeah, it's it is very much a CEDH deck. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, but it is something that you've spent a lot of actual time and effort in before you were trying to use it as an advertising gimmick. It was just something that you really loved and wanted to be a certain thing. I, I remember. I remember the day when me and Fu Joel still worked together. He came into my store. Because uh, we worked at different different retail stores, and he was like, we were just talking about magic, and I said, dude, I am building Animar. This is in 2011. This deck is going to show up to ball. It's going to dunk dudes, dude. Like, it's <laughs> it's going to be crazy. And uh, yeah, I guess for that reason, that memory, that, that feeling that it gave me when I saw it, I thought I was being original. Turns out that I wasn't really. Maybe I was at the time, but not now. Um <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that qualifies as a pet deck. My next two kind of fall into the same category as each other. 
one of them, Balthor the Defiled, Mono Black, Zombie Tribal, I'm going to call it, and Mono Blue Mistform Ultimus. Both of them, I'm working towards 100% Pimpage, Blingage, whatever, and both of them are kind of fun tribal decks. Like we talked about yesterday, like how they're just so synergistic and they work together. The Balthor deck has a couple backup combo wins, and that is something that I love, and it's super hard for me to cut one of those out of that deck if something else cool gets printed right and uh the misform ultimus deck is something that like your noran deck maybe isn't the most powerful noran is way more powerful than misform ultimus <laughs> guaranteed but the misform ultimus being kind of a tribally deck and mono blue it makes me have to really play the deck hard you know what i mean i gotta get the most out of it as i can and a lot of the times when you're playing something tuned and, and almost competitive in like a regular people meta you can make mistakes and still get the win or when you're playing something that's so terrible and you just want to hang out and drink beers you're not going to care if you miss stuff but when i play the misform ultimus one it makes me really feel like i'm playing magic at a higher level because i've got to stretch the deck out to be a little bit more powerful than I think that it is. And that makes me feel like it's a little bit my pet deck because me and it have that relationship with each other. Well, I remember when you first thought about making it and you got really excited. It's like, oh, I can do all this crazy stuff. Oh, it was kind of like when we talked about uh, for Project Atraxa and we did uh, Scrap Traxa. Oh, yeah, with Spy Kit. Yeah, there's all these ridiculous cards in it. And this deck gave you the opportunity to play all this stupid crap. I remember you spent like a month asking everybody and going to all the stores and just trying to avoid going online to get a foil bone saw or something like yeah. it, it, it doesn't have bone saw anymore but it has like a like true faith sensor if you're it get, like gives your dude like plus one plus oh but if it's a human it also gets vigilance <laughs> and misform ultimus every creature type is so good and so it, it's awesome it's also only one card off of being totally foil pimp it is it's um it is i'm missing a dark visions misprint for Griffin, Griffin Canyon. Canyon. And you know that. You know what I yeah. might do though? This is this is total happenstance coincidence. Griffin Canyon is painted by Stuart Griffin. And no way. I'm not even shitting you. Oh my god. I might just alter onto my current Griffin Canyon. Stewie Griffin from Family Guy riding a Griffin. So st Twitter assignment, CCO Nation. Again, I've asked this before. If you have a Dark Visions misprint, get at me on Twitter at CCO Podcast. If I get that Dark Visions misprint, I still might paint a Stewie Griffin on it. <laughs> just <laughs> FYI. Anyways, those are my, I think my three pet decks. The other ones I just keep around because they're fun, they're janky, they are strategies that I like, what have you. Like your lands or... Yeah, that deck is powerful. Joel likes playing it. I like to have some decks that I can lend to other people that feel very EDHy. Yes. And then I have ones that are just like janky and good because they're so bad. Like <laughs> Lord of Tressorhorn. Yes. Every time we play, it's like, how did you get that guy back again? Oh, this other shitty guy gives me a shitty guy back when he when he dies. Like it's shitty. Oh, yeah. okay. And then you attack someone else. <laughs> right? So listening to all of that, we talked about six decks real fast, why we keep them, why we love them, why they are our pet decks. Now, you could have listened to that and thought to yourself, hey, yeah, I totally have that. I have a card that I built. I love this commander. I love this strategy, whatever. But it's not necessarily I like the commander, I like the strategy, because I thought one of your pet decks was going to be Zatahedron Grinder, which Ooh. is your competitive deck are putting the most time and money into right now. And in no way... On no metric, in spite of the amount of time you think about it, the amount of games you play with it, is Zatahedron Grinder a pet deck? No, you're... Y Yes, you're right. No, it's not. And this is why. Any single card or portion of the strategy can be dropped at any time. Like, full stop, I don't give a shit. I want it to be the most powerful version of the deck that it can be. So if that means I drop the whatever card, then it's gone. It's not the deck that you're going to spend extra on bling for because that bling could be cut on the way home. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hmm, that didn't work the way that I wanted to. I'm getting home and I'm taking it out. Like my, my foil memory jar my foil paradox engine it just it doesn't matter but you don't need paradox engine to win i have got a foil one who cares it's out yep, it's a slot that could be used for something better so if you're if you find you're doing that with a deck it probably isn't because you don't have a connection to the deck you have a connection to making the deck powerful so you can win with it and now it's funny it's funny because when you when you see a lot of things that people say are their pet decks they are totally blinged out they are 
CEDH decks. Like you, like you sit down with somebody. I played against a guy, uh, like a Thrasios and Timna guy in, uh, no, it was a Thrasios and the white blue one that gets plus one whenever an opponent plays a spell, the bird. <laughs> Whatever. 100% Japanese foil. And it was this competitive deck, and he just cuts cards. And it's like the Animar example where the barrier to entry is very high because then you got to go find a foil Japanese card. Yeah. His buddy comes up and he's like, hey, check this out. He picks up his foil Japanese Atacar Wastes. And he's like, I got a good, a pretty good deal on it. It was only like $97. Jesus. Right? It's like, wow. What that, you, what? that is a pet deck. And that's, I think, represents true commitment to your CEDH pet deck. Yeah, and I, I think maybe... Like, I think move, moving in yeah. to the, kind of the next thing yeah. maybe that you were going to say is is recognizing these things, right? Uh, that's a pretty good way to recognize a pet deck when it's completely blinged and you don't, you almost don't give a shit. Like if your Atacar Waste is $97. Like I would never say that your CDH deck isn't a pet deck, but the odds are it's your pet deck because it's competitive, not because it's your favorite deck per se. Oh, yeah. Because like... I'll bet you that if you were to take Zada to a tournament and you played somebody else playing Zada, you'd have like it's the same deck. It's like when I take uh, yeah Ponza in my mon- my modern deck and I play another Ponza guy, it's the same deck. If I'm sitting down at the CEDH tables at a GP and I meet somebody playing Zada, yeah, probably ninety percent of the deck is the same. Yeah, and the same is probably true. Not hundred percent of the time, but like Zer and the Atraxa, any yes. of those. Well, Atraxa is a bad example because yeah. there's a lot yeah, of different guess. build paths, but when you sit down and play like Kess and Jaleva and Zur, like you just like said, right? Captain the, Sisse, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's one. Kozilek, like competitive yeah. like mono-brown Kozilek decks. Of course, they're going to be like trying to find their metal worker on turn one, like, yeah. right? So I, I think that's a great way to how to recognize them. Now, out in the wild. Right. Because everybody kind of knows everybody's pet decks in your localized Petri dish meta. Now, one of the things I wanted to touch on is the difference between playing in that localized meta and then playing outside of that meta. You had said that nor in the way locally gets kind of hosed yeah it's a powerful deck it's stacks light i call it it's it's kind of a control deck now instead of a chaos coin flip deck i think when you go out into the wild people still expect this mono red noran deck to be goofy and they kind of let you do your thing because they're like oh this guy can't swing with my big dink right like he doesn't have all foiled japanese lands <laughs> so he must not be as powerful and then you kind of come out of nowhere so your zada or sorry your noran deck in the wild is a little bit better than when you just play with the dude bros it has a really good sneak attack factor to it and i think that's why maybe i did so good in gp vegas is because hey I'm, I'm again i'm fairly proficient at piloting this pile of garbage and nobody sees that coming and by the time you do you the narset players locked out of the game and can't do anything <laughs> yeah because they're playing narset or the the general tazri player or whatever right yeah like what what are you gonna do now man what, what are you gonna do the answer to what you're gonna do is nothing because you you're gonna take one damage every turn when norn comes back into the play every turn yeah and we're gonna do that for 10 rounds at the table until you're dead yeah because that's what the deck does and, it, and it's just it's cool but when you play it at home uh, i was just telling you before we started recording the shows today the last two times i've played it locally against our boy fu alex and fu alex he played ascendant evancar it's the worst thing for mono red because it flies so earthquake can't get it it gives all your creatures minus one minus one because they're not black so noran can't be alive and all of the things that i have to abuse all the things that make noran abusable all have one toughness so they just die yeah that's a good cut now granted that's a six mana commander and you are running other ways to remove it because your your pet deck is tuned to make sure that it can do its thing. Yes. Right? I mean... Mono red problem. You got to draw into that stuff, right? You got to... Yeah, a little bit you do, yeah. You got to kind of draw... You got to be a little bit lucky. And it just so happened that the last few games... I actually almost won the first one. I actually managed to win through an Ascendant Evancar. Yeah, and that's his commander, right? Like, yeah. that's such a weird vampire commander. Maybe, yes. that's, maybe that qualifies as a pet deck. It might. He's got this mono black vampire tribal deck when clearly the best version of vampire tribal is Edgar Markov. Yeah, you could even do mono black Edgar Markov and it would probably be better. <laughs> yeah, it 100% would be. Yeah. yeah. But no, that's 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 all that's all great talking points. Now, what if you go out into the wild and you have you said Zer. And oh, and on the show like last year, we did Zer Sea Monster Tribal. 
yeah, so we don't know each other. We're sitting down and you play, you whip out, you flip over your Xur in the command zone. And I go, uh-oh, we got to get this guy, right? And you say, no, no, I swear it's Sea Monster Tribal, right? And and everybody's like, yeah, okay, And sure. nobody believes yeah, you Yeah, you ever. must listen to Commander Kirko Podcast, loser, right? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 it's really Xur, uh, Sea Monster Tribal. You, you're you're almost guilty until proven innocent. With some, with some of those commanders, you have to be. Because yeah. you could probably build Sea Monster, sir, and then just have the degenerate shit in there that makes you yeah. win anyway. Because like, you're goddamn it. Yeah, well, and the difference is when you're playing in your localized meta, everybody knows that you're playing Sea Monster Tribal Zer. Yeah, and they know your tricks. They know... And they know that you're, you're not you're not tier one Zer is, is where I'm going with that. Is like you're fine to play Zer because you're looking for your stupid enchantment for your sea monster. Yeah. Right? You're not looking for your turn two necropotence my whole library win whatever yeah. in competitive Zer. And you have to like prove that to people over the course of a couple games and that yeah. isn't like that that can't be a thing that you do at the commander championship in Vegas. Like if you're playing sea monster tribal Zer, I don't know why you would be, but you sit down and you just get raked over the coals because you're playing Zer and everybody doesn't believe you. <laughs> here, here's a combination of what you could maybe do with Zer. Could you do Zer, Necropotence, Seismic Assault, and 97 land? You could. You, how do you it, gain life, though? Oh, yeah, you gotta gain you gotta life. gotta gain life. Damn it. Because if you could just draw the lands and just huck them at everybody, is that enough to kill? That's not enough to kill everybody. You could add Necropotence in there. You can add Ad Nauseam in there and... But then all of a sudden you're playing like Xur, Necropotence, Ad Nauseam, yeah. and then you're playing a CEDH deck again, but even if you're playing 95 lands. Even though, yeah, right? It's super terrible, and that's how easy it is to break Xur. So never trust the Xur player in the wild. That's the moral of the story. Never oh, trust yeah, them, because they like, have it. They have it. So, okay, here's, here's another thing I wanted to talk about down this avenue. What? This is my pet deck. It's just a fun XYZ deck that's like a total lie. Oh, 100%. That is the thing. In Vegas, you can tell another Vegas story. I actually bumped into a guy, 100% foil, English foil, 100% pimpest version of the foil, 100% shadow signatured. What? Yeah. That's cool. Hirobi Death's Whale. Oh, yeah. And that deck was awesome. But I was sitting down pot of four with this guy, and the other two guys didn't know. I was like, oh, Hirobi, yeah, whatever. And I'm sitting there, you motherfucker. <laughs> I know what this deck does. I play this deck. Yeah. I have that same deck in my backpack. This isn't fun. This isn't your fun deck that you bring to these things. He's not. And then he proceeded to play the Hirobi deck. If you listen to Commander Cookout episode one, Hirobi isn't a fun deck for anybody else. I don't know why you do that either, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, so you can see those where people say, oh, it's my pet deck. Yeah, it's fun for, fun for me. Not necessarily fun for the rest of the table. Yeah. You know what? I think that that's an excellent point as well is... What's fun for you is your pet deck is like your funnest deck, right? And over time, that deck gets better and better and better because you never take it apart and it always gets better and you always get better at playing it. And then all of a sudden, it's like this degenerate. I'm sure this is how CEDH happened. Absolutely. Is, is. like somebody's like, hey, this is good. This is, I want, I'm the, I want to play blue and commander and I think that I'm better than everybody else. So how do I make my deck fucking do that for me? <laughs> right? Because I'm just an asshole. I think. What's fun for you playing the deck isn't always fun for everybody else. Yep. And I think despite your it being your pet deck and you want the best version of the deck, whatever, like don't make it your pet deck that you want to play all the time. Yeah, once it make hits it, a certain level, it, yeah. Make it your Zata that you don't give a shit about it because you want it to be the best deck, but you never play it unless you're at like a competitive table. Make it your make it your Norin. Make it your your ninety percent deck. Make it your um, your combo backup win zombie tribal Balthor deck, right? Yeah, like that's why I don't play Sliver Queen around the the Dude Bros anymore because it came to a point where it was it was it's a degenerate combo deck now. And now that's, that's either not fun for you because you just win and then scoop your cards up and go and like sit on your phone for an hour when the rest of us have a game. You have to kind of bow out so we can all finish, even though you technically air quotes won. That's a fun house rule for dealing with people that like to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, like you're either sitting by yourself or you're feeling sorry because everybody's like, okay, well let's just pack up. I didn't want to play this deck anyways. Or sure, you want to play Slivers? I'm gonna whip out my whatever, right? Yeah, I want to talk about i also wanted to talk about uh, you said sliver queen i think narset okay oh. decks that people claim are their fun decks they, they're pet decks cool they say that oh this is just fun narset this is just my narset deck no such thing no such thing and i think that there are other commanders like that like you hit on the zur all of a sudden you're playing necropotence and ad nauseum with 98 land 
and like you're still doing the same thing. Yeah. Right. Or you are playing Narset, but it's not turns Narset. It's it's combat phases Narset. If that's you the, Smitty, that's the same thing. It's the exact right? same thing. Or or I'm not playing. What's what's we, we we've done um the Ojutai Master guy that gives your extra turn spells rebound. Right. You're casting stuff for free, right? That's the same. Like, I don't think, an, and maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe, uh, what's his name? Taigam Ojutai Master. Maybe a fun deck of him exists. Maybe a fun Edric Spy Master of Trest deck exists that's, like, super politically and, and puts up a big pillow fort to make everybody else do all your work for you. But I think mostly it's, like, evasive dudes, and you just want to draw all of your blue cards. Evasive dudes, then you just go Cyclonic Rift extra turn i think that that's what that deck does so like if somebody says no this is my fun edric deck it's my pet deck i i i I only play elves in it well then you're (laughs) playing an elf ball deck it's like what the hell dude yeah right and it's not like pet decks have to be uncompetitive that's that's not the thing or or that they do have to be competitive yeah there's a a range right you can have a pet deck that you you really like to play but there comes a point where having a pet deck doesn't mean that it's a fun deck for other people, and I think that that's important. Like, I never bust out my Nor and the Wary because I want to have lots of fun, and I want everybody else to have an exciting game of Commander. If I want people to have a fun game of Commander where we're all going to sit around and crack jokes and drink beer, I'm going to bust out Grimlock. Yeah. I'm going to bust out Windgrace. I'm going to play something else that's just sort of fun. You know, it's got kind of splashy stuff. It's not there to ruin your life. It's not there to blood yeah. moon you out of the game. It's not there to abuse Silverclad for Rostodons. You don't have a board state. It's not doing that. It doesn't play value smokestacks. It doesn't do that <laughs> stuff. Oh, I play a deck that plays a value smokestack. Yeah. That's my lands deck. I don't care. I'll just <laughs> sacrifice one of my 25 land. I'll just play him from my graveyard. Right? Like, it's one of those things. Like, you don't have to... Once you step into that territory, you might... You're having fun, but nobody else is having fun. And while that's how I sometimes like to play, and I like to make that joke, as long as I'm having fun, I don't care if you are, I do. And I think that when you're playing casual, especially out in the wild with people that you don't know unless you're playing for something don't be a jerk yeah and you know what i i think that recognizing that you're making the joke it's fun for me i don't care if it's fun for anybody else as long as you recognize that you're making that joke and something is at stake like the commander championship in vegas or everybody at the table is playing tuned higher power decks and you just happen to land your winter orb on turn two or your trinosphere on turn two like that's that's fine. At that point, it's fine because everybody's on the same page, yeah. right? When somebody's sitting down with Lord of Tresseron over here, some jank Traxa over here, and you're sitting down with something good, and you, you, and it's your localized meta, you're sitting down with the dude bros, and nobody said anything before the game, and somebody's just like crushing other people's souls, we got we to gotta talk more than that when we play Commander. And that is true... When we go out into the wild, we have to sit down. We got to bullshit a little bit. Hey, where are you from? What do you do? Do you ever listen to Commander Cookout podcast? They're really good. I heard them one time. Um, F-, F those guys over at CMDR Central. Uh, what deck are you playing? Right? Yeah. Like, how? What level are we going to play at here, guys? That's something that I always like to ask when I'm meeting new people. Because yeah, I can I can hang. We can play big combo decks if you want. Or we can just have like a fun game of Commander. I don't care if I win, really. Yeah, I had Bailey's in my iced cappuccino this morning. I'm just gonna play Misform Ultimus all day. Yeah, like I don't and lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't care if I win out in the wild for these things. I'm out there to have fun and play a game that I enjoy. I play Magic because I like it, not because I want to win prizes. Ooh. Especially since most of those prizes are Magic-related prizes, which means I get to play the game more. And if I hate it, why am I? You know what I mean? Trying to win more prizes to yeah. make me play more of the thing that I hate. I'm a sadist. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> exactly. I feel like the like button right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, very EDH-y thought there that, that you want to have fun out in the wild. I like that. So I just talked about doing things for fun. We're playing for fun. Pet decks typically, I think, are decks that are meant to be fun, either for you or for everyone. Not necessarily for everybody, but for yourself. So suppose you have a deck that is a pet deck that you have now realized, oh my god, I'm I'm playing stacks now. I'm playing stacks now. We need to... I'm the guy? I'm that guy? Ah! Where do you go from there? Peep this. With your ears. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Way back in the day when... um, Remember we were talking about Animar. Started to go from like, hey, this is pretty good to 
okay, this is like, this is a really a thing now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was almost all painted. And I thought, what if I could switch out some of the cards that really make it go? Like the Imperial Recruiter, Phyrexian Metamorph combo, um, some of the really good tutors like Survival of the Fittest and stuff. Um, what if I could take those out and replace them with other cards and make it into a different deck? Well, I did that, and it turned out it was still an Animar deck. <laughs> it was still really good. So um, sort of a bad example, but what I did was I've got my whole painted Animar deck. I had a bunch of foils that would be good in a team or colored deck, and some of the more like the higher powered or tutors or whatever I took out of Animar and replaced them with foiled cards, different cards. Uh, there's about 20 different cards I would switch out. And I switched the commander from Animar to Maelstrom Wanderer. This is kind of why it's a bad example because Maelstrom Wanderer is also very powerful. But at the time, it was kind of just meant to make the deck jankier. And it let me still play a lot of the cards I wanted. It let me utilize my awesome mana base in two different decks. But it let me switch it out to something that was completely different. Like you switch 20 cards in a deck. It's not the same deck usually. And the commander, it's completely different. Yeah. I don't have the cost reduction of Animar. I don't have a big, I, I do have a big beater, but it turned more into like an aggro deck because Maelstrom Wanderer gives all my stuff haste. So now all of a sudden I want to play a creature for its actual mana cost, get another creature for free, like when I cast Maelstrom Wanderer or whatever, and it turned into like an aggro deck instead of a combo deck. It's totally fun. Yeah, it was very cool. I remember that. Um, that's actually the deck that I got my foil food chain for when oh. it was like 14 bucks. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so that was totally fun. Um, the other example I have of this is I had brown dragon shield sleeves. Somehow I had like 120 of them or 160. Maybe I bought like two packs of 80 of them or something, if you can even do that. It's a weird number to have. Yeah, and it was all like inner sleeved or perfect fitted. And I had my Karlov deck that I just took apart. And I had some of the inner sleeves marked in Sharpie with a V for Voltron. And then some of the sleeves, the inner sleeves marked with an M for multiplayer. Whatever. Those are just the letters that I picked. Sure. But when I wanted to play the Voltron version of Karlov with some enchantments and some different equipment and stuff, I would swap in all of the cards with a V. When I wanted to play like the massive life gain Orzov deck... I'd swap in all the cards with the M. And it would make the deck feel totally different. If it was like a three or four player game, Voltron. If it was one of those CCO style five or six player games, yeah. big multiplayer life game deck. Yep. Yeah. And that's always an option if if one version of your deck is kind of creeping out of hand for the rest of your playgroup. Um, I mean, you exist within your meta too. Like if you have that pet deck, like you did, like you just talked about, where yep. you want to play this deck say animar at a particular level it eventually will outclass some of the people around you because maybe you're not playing with a bunch of people who are willing to invest the kind of time like our buddy jj mm -hmm. he builds a deck and it never changes you know and he just comes out to drink beer and have fun with us so you play animar against him and it's like why am i even doing this Yes. But you play Maelstrom Wanderer against him, and now we're having a fun interactive game with your buddies. Yeah, and here's the thing. He has Edgar Markov deck, right? He's playing Agro Vampires, and I'm playing my sort of Agro uh, Maelstrom Wanderer. It's like Agro deck versus Agro deck. All of a sudden, we're tussling. Yeah. Right? And it's like a real game. But if I wanted, switch over to the other table, and we're sitting down with, like, Paradox Engine, Sisse decks, and Kess, and Narset, and Animar, and I just, like, switch out ten cards, and it's like, boom, okay, I'm ready to ball now. Yeah. And you still get to play your super fun pet deck, but you can transform it so that you can play it in different levels of game, so that you can still play your favorite deck, but... It's a little bit different so that you're not playing, oh my god, here comes Animar again. It's kind of like having a pseudo sideboard. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember, it's not a sideboard. <laughs> so you can't wish for cards. And you cannot do this if you're in a tournament. <laughs> yes, that's also important. This. this is like for casual play in between metas or when you play in your meta versus out in the wild. That's yeah. what this is for.
And by the way, Nor in the Wary would be way better if I could play Burning Wish in it. I'm just saying. Probably. Holy shit, would he be better? Probably, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a sorcery, right? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad it wasn't an instant that you can go and fetch like a blue elemental or a red elemental blast. <laughs> they probably knew that when they built it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why they did it. Yeah. No, in 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 Noran, I would get Obliterate or Decree of Annihilation. I could play all of the redundancy cards. Oh yeah, that are already in there. Decree of Annihilation. Uh, obliteration, yeah. I don't apocalypse. Pl- I don't play any of those in Nor in the Wary, by the way. Not a single one. Yeah, I believe you. I, I play no sweepers in Nor in the Wary whatsoever. I believe that. Only spot removal. It's basically burn. If it says one mana, three damage on it, that's what's in there. One for one damage base spot removal, and that's it. Yep, that's it. That's are all you, I play. Are you metaing against yourself? No, I'm trying to lower everybody's expectations when they hear the deck next week. They're like, what the hell? <laughs> Uh, excellent. Okay, I got I got one more thing here because we're gonna get crunched for time if we start just bullshitting. Okay, no, those those are better saved for our new Canon Commander series. Yes, bullshit and drink beer. <laughs> um, couple weeks ago, maybe last week when we did Arjun the Shifting Flame. Last week, I think. Sure. Sure. Um, you talked about having two is it decks or Ye- potentially. Yes, I have an is it deck, and I don't really want to. So do I keep Arjun the Shifting Flame and maybe morph him into and or <laughs> uh Zindersplit and Okun? Yes. Sure. Or do I just build another Izzet deck? Yeah, you know, I Cuz Arjun, I would say based on the long history and listen to the episode if you if you haven't to hear the story of how Arjun the Shifting Flame Izzet combo started off <laughs> as Serac Dragon Claw, Teamer Werewolf Tribal. It's a deck that I've kept together and I just mold it like clay and I just want it to be cool. And I really enjoy Arjun. I think he's a lot of fun. Plus, I don't want to free him up so anybody else can have him in our group. <laughs> F you, Jesse. And, but I really want to play Glack and Brute. I really want to play both of them. Yeah, and you know what? Arjun has the potential to, over time, turn into one of these pet decks that has things like Omniscience, so you can just cycle through your whole library as much as you want, and you can include things like your foil brainstorms and tweak that mana base so it's awesome. Get that mana crypt and mana vault in there so you can... Arjun turn two. Yeah, right? Like, it has the potential to be that. Yes, it does. Um, In doing that, though, it you'd probably be taking up a lot of your um, collection equity in that deck. Yeah. And you wouldn't have a whole ton left for another Is It deck. So do you leave it as is and and spread your Is It collection across two decks and have them both be not as good as they could be? That's probably okay if you don't want them to be tuned power, more powerful or borderline competitive. That's probably fine. Yeah. Um, I ask you all of this because I'm trying to wrap my head around me taking apart one of my more tuned and competitive decks. A deck that you've had for a long time. Yeah, since 2015 when it came out. This is Karlov of the Ghost Council. And he was Orzov, Life Gain. He was the Voltron slash multiplayer swap out deck that I had that turned into kind of like full CEDH kind of like control deck that just killed you and it played like all the big stuff and it played hatred and it played ether flux reservoir teferi's protection and all the things that gave him protection so he could either live through a removal spell or kill you and it was really good but it kind of crept up above my local play groups competitiveness i never played it and then when i played it out in the wild i either didn't know how to do it or wanted to play other decks that were just more fun. And I took it apart. There you go. And over time, because it was kind of like a pet deck at this point, it had like foil mana bases and duels and shocks and fetches and foil filter lands and it had filter land, there's one. And altered art soul rings and my other Orzov deck, because I have another one, got way better as a result. And lots of those cards, like I have the, I'm trying to think of one. I've got a Masterpiece Dust Bowl. Let's just use that one because it's a thing that I have, or an Expedition Dust Bowl. Yeah. And I'm really happy that I have that card. But if it was in a deck that I never play, well, shit, now I have this awesome card. I never get to play with it. Yeah, and that's what I was running into with uh, with Karloff. Yeah, so you melt the deck down, you get your cool altered Sol Ring, and that is probably one of my favorite Sol Rings you've done. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
and you put it into a deck where people now they get to see it. It's not just this awesome deck that's in a box that's in a box that you have with you. Yeah, in a box, in a box, in a box, and nobody can touch it. <laughs> and yeah. the foils don't curl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like my Sliver Queen deck is awesome. I lo- it's, it's got lots of pimp stuff in it, lots of promo stuff, lots of altered art stuff, but nobody ever gets to see it, you know? So like if you have a pet card or like a favorite card or just some cards that you've actually invested lots of time in, maybe maybe let that pet deck go. Is that the and- lesson of the day? Not Not to let your pet decks go per se, but to not let them get out of hand for where you're doing all of your playing. Yeah. Most of us play in a localized meta. We play at FNMs with maximum 20 EDHers. We play in a play group like we do with the Dude Bros where there's like maximum 10 of us at a night. Yeah, which makes for a long-ass game. Yeah, no, we don't play 10-player games. We might play two five-player games. we did once. Most people don't have 20 decks. So you're playing with 10 dude bros. We all have a couple decks. You're going to see repetition in the decks. If you know your meta, build for that meta, and don't let your pet deck escalate, I think. And if you do, maybe, like, I don't know, I'm very proud of myself for this. I picked a pet deck that while it, I don't know if it's getting to a certain level, but it's totally playable within our playgroup. I don't think Norn the Wary outclasses our playgroup at all. I, in fact, believe that it's actually shittier at the house than it is out in the wild. I agree with all of those things, and I, I think that it takes discipline to do that because I texted you like a couple weeks ago when we were talking like, we were talking about two specific cards, like cutting two planeswalkers or something, and I was like, dude, if you want to make this deck better, like you have to make mono red stacks. Like that's a real deck. Yeah. And you were like, I don't want to make it better. I don't want to make it more powerful so I can't play it. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's actually a really excellent ideology to have when you play just with... Like we do, like with the CCO dude bros. Yeah, we just play with our friends. And then I've just, I'm going to use my ability to pilot the deck okay to to do okay with it. And then hope I don't run into people who know what I'm doing and own me. <laughs> <laughs> well, chances are the randoms out in the wild, again, we've covered it, aren't going to know as much of about the deck or how good you are with the deck. So it's going to do better. Here's hoping. Yeah. It's... And we'll find out an MF in Calgary. Where we Ooh, hope to see lots yeah. of you. We got the house booked. We've got our plans to stop at Sobey's liquor store <clears throat> only. And we're just going to drink. I'm literally buying Bailey's and putting it in my coffee in the morning. <laughs> like that's happening. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. Indeed. And we hope to see you all there. Do we want rundown one more time, 30 seconds or less, how to get entered into the Zada deck. This is your last week. We're giving it away next week, next Tuesday. Yes, you've got six days. And in those six days, you can check out our YouTube channel or our Podomatic site where you can interact with us in any way. We'll get you entered in to win. Also check out our Facebook giveaway posts or Ryan's Altered Art card posts. Any kind of interaction with any of those, a share especially helps us out a lot, helps us grow the show, and gets it entered in to win the Zatahedron Grinder deck. All of that information is available on CommanderCookout.com on the Giveaways tab. So if you want to check that out, please do feel free to stop in, check that out, interact with us. You have six days, you could win a really cool deck, uh, and there's lots of other good stuff there. There's articles, and our videos are funny, and if you like us, there's lots of other ways to hang out with us speaking of hanging out there with us thank you again for joining us for another super exciting bonus episode of commander cookout podcast i hope we gave you something to think about if you have any kind of rebuttals to what we've said anything to add to the conversation please do feel free to get a hold of us and if not we will speak to you again next week on commander cookout podcast hit our theme song (laughs) 